What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with The Scale Up Show. I have an awesome guest on today. I have Justin Beals, who is a two-time CEO, current CEO of StrikeGraph, and five-time CTO. Something really amazing that Justin breaks down step-by-step-by-step on how exactly they created 115% NRR within two years of existence. Is absolutely blowing it up right now and some really cool strategies and frameworks that Justin shares today. You're not going to want to miss it. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Justin Beals. Justin is a two-time CEO a four to five time CTO. I couldn't nail him down on the exact number and product executive. And right now he is the CEO over at StrikeGraph where they solve the security problem for revenue growth in the sales motion. Justin, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. I'm so glad to join Ryan. Uh, Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. 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 Happy to have you on. Um, So before we get into your backstory or, or some context around you and your organization and what you're doing. Let's do a real quick revenue rundown. So where are you guys at in terms of your your revenue stage right now in terms of ARR? Yeah, so we just wrapped up Q2, 2.3 million in ARR. That's actually a 3.3x year-over-year growth for the organization. Excellent. Well, congrats on your growth. So 2.3 million in Q2 or for the last trailing 12? Yeah, for the for, well overall from an ARR perspective, yeah. Uh, so oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, the things that get combined into that that are really critical for us are, of course, um, we we're really proud of our renewals. Renewals are super high. We have great upsell motion as well, and then of course new business every quarter. But we're starting to hit in that revenue journey um, the compounding interest form of a SaaS business, which has been super exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that is very exciting once that starts hitting. So, can you walk us through your solution exactly, like how it works, who it serves, and what are the outcomes it creates? Yeah, um, let's start with the outcomes. You know, the problem we solve is security certifications or audits that drive trust at customers, so that you can facilitate getting a deal over the line more quickly or at all. And so, the typical types of certifications that our customers are looking for. Our SOC 2 is a classic one, ISO 27001, uh, HIPAA, PCI DSS, the privacy standards like GDPR or California Consumer Privacy, and we're constantly adding new standards to the system. The reason that those outcomes are critical is that they can really help reduce time spent in procurement because you're essentially showing a company maturity level through these security certifications that drives trust. And therefore, you know, what I used to see um, as uh, a CTO at tech startups is that an enterprise adoption might take us 18 months. And when you get these security certifications in place, you can drive that down to three to six. And a lot of times now we're hearing that it's just a flat out requirement. You are literally not going to get the deal over the line if you don't have one of these security certifications in place. So that's the outcome that we solve for. Um, the, the real kind of critical information is how do we get from here to there? And what sets Stripe Graph apart is the flexibility of our platform. 
Um, there's a lot of security checklist solutions out there in the marketplace. As a CTO, that didn't fit very well for me. Every one of our products is unique. How we use our cloud providers are unique. And trying to create a, a security operation that's efficient and meets the standard is really well the art of the technology can be. And so we've worked really hard to scope for our customers the right security practice for their business. The, the standards don't tell you what to do. They just measure the practice that you have in place. And then monitor the automation or the access of that security practice. And so our automation system is quite powerful. We can um, reach out into a cloud provider like AWS and provide thousands of data points validating the security practice automatically. It's been very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it sounds like you nailed it. And obviously you have the experience because you were, you were in the leadership position in, in the product and tech side. So you, you have that domain expertise of know what, what the marketplace sucks at and what, what you yeah. wish it had. Right. So, yeah. um, so let's get into how, how large is your team? Yeah. So we have 50 employees at this point. Um, we uh, are pretty, uh, we kind of like to have a balanced growth model at Strikecraft. I mean, our growth has been phenomenal. Um, but at the same time, we are also paying really close attention to our unit economics, um, even in early days. We think that that optimization when the team is small as possible, but after you grow it too big, you know, past 75 people, it's really hard to optimize some habits. You, you just wind up adding more people to the team and then you lose your gross margin. You lose your ability to get a good payback on the investment. Yeah. Oh yeah. That definitely makes sense. And, and what's your primary go to market motion for revenue growth? Yeah. So, um, the, the go-to-market for us for adding new customers is a variety of different methodologies. I'll tell you the one place that I don't like participating, but we have to on some level, is in the, an auction marketplace for ads. And it's just really painful. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that if I could have bought futures in the SOC2 keyword um, two years ago, we probably would have made almost as much money <laughs> as we did building the business. Um, but that's certainly a, um, an important uh, stream of interest for us, uh, for customers. And then, um, we find really great engagement at a number of conferences across multiple industries. So we'll pick a vertical, pick the top two conferences in that industry, and we'll go out and visit them. And that's great, uh, lead gen for us. And then we have a number of direct outreach, um, uh, efforts that happen as well between email and a direct call, um, and just general like account research. Now, um, we have an account exec team. Uh, one of the things we're super proud of is that um, really we can close a customer in just a couple of calls. Uh, this is a really critical solution for businesses. So they've set aside budget. They know they need to put something in place to solve for the problem to, to continue to grow their businesses. And once they get a, a look in a quick 30-minute demo of the product that we provide, the differentiation really shines. And so it's very easy um, to, uh, for us from a sales motion to bring on new customers. Our, our typical time to close, I know you guys are really interested in this in this podcast, uh, is uh, under 30 days uh, for, for a business. And, and wow. so that's been phenomenal. Yeah. And we, what's the uh, end, if you don't mind sharing, and this is a few. Uh, I was going to say, you, you might be interested the in the, 
customer makeup. Yeah. Average size. Sorry. Um, so our customers span quite a, di- a, a, a large range of sizes. Our biggest customer has more than 5,000 employees and our smallest customer um, has less than five. And uh, actually, that's, that's been really interesting to play out in our financial metrics. Um, we were really surprised in 2021 to see a net revenue retention at the business of 115%. And it's because our product has, has really worked hard to solve for multiple stages along the journey that a business goes through. So initially, if you're a venture tech-backed startup and it's a really small um, team, you just want to get some basic security in place. You might not be going for the audit yet. But then go down a year and your product is ready for market and you're trying to sell your first you know, good-sized customer and all of a sudden it's an absolute need. And so we can really rapidly upsell the customer and spool up, hey, let's get you through your SOC 2 audit. Um, But then we find that uh, our customers will grow, and so they'll want multiple different standards like HIPAA and SOC 2, or ISO 27001 for Europe, or Asia PAC and SOC 2, or PCI DSS because they're FinTech and SOC 2. Um, And after that, what happens for our largest customers is that we have an enterprise solution so that they can both bottom up and top down manage the broader security practice. Because in truth, each division kind of goes after its own sales metrics, and therefore they need to drive at the compliance that meets the sales metrics for them. Okay, excellent. That's good. We're, we're definitely going to dig into that later once we get through the the rundown, because I want to dig into that NRR number. And I think that's really sharp the way that you crafted it. So it just naturally lines up with the timeline. So what about, are you, are you funded or bootstrapped? Yeah, we're venture capital uh, backed uh, tech startup. Um, uh, typical flavor. <laughs> uh, we're uh, some of our um, our key investors uh, so far have been folks like Madrona Venture Group out of Seattle, Washington, uh, Information Venture Partners out of Toronto, Canada, um, Amplify out of Los Angeles, Secure Octane out of the Valley. Um, it's been great. I, I'm I like to say I have the best board like ever. It's a phenomenal team and um, they've been exceptional investors and board members in helping us grow Strikecraft. It takes a team to pull one of these uh, businesses off and we really have a great one, both in the employees as well as uh, the broader board management yeah, and investor team. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. All right, Justin. So how did you get to this point then? It sounds like you're, you're doing really good. Things are starting to take off after being in the market for 18 months. So how did you get to this point? What was your journey here? Can you just give us like a brief 30 second to one minute version on, on how you kind of got here? Yeah, um, certainly I experienced the problem. 
not only in watching our sales team struggle, but in me as a CTO trying to support them and, and operationalize this. So that was a critical part of the journey. Uh, I worked with an incubator in Seattle, Washington, Madrona Venture Labs, after um, I had the just kind of the inclination that this was a problem space. Um, we um, talked about the problem space up until February 2020 when we launched. Um, we had a pilot program that we oversold by like 250% in the first six months after we launched. And that led to us raising our series seed with Madrona Venture Group. And then the company just took off um, from a, an adoption perspective. And so just a year later, we raised our series A with Information Venture Partners and have con- just been continuing to grow like crazy. Um, it's, it's just such a palpable problem. And we have such a valid solution in the marketplace that is really effective and easy um, to operate. Yeah. Well, that's what you want. Big problem, easy to operate. So how long did it take you to build it? Yeah, we, um, we had prototypes. And I think the way to think about building it is there were certainly milestones in the process, but it was just a constant, consistent effort to build a good solution. So um, I personally and a couple of colleagues mocked up in kind of a fake database the solution that we thought would work. Um, I like using data models as a way to prototype a product. It it works really well um, to understand the relationships that the information needs to have to be the most powerful and valuable solution uh, that a customer needs. And so we mocked up a fake database and then um, kind of helped customers get through that fake database to see how it would work in achieving their SOC 2 audit, which is you know, the primary standard that we started with and the value prop at the end of the day, right? Ryan, like we could be aspirational and say, well, we help you operate a better security posture, but that's not really what people want to buy. What people want to buy is what StrikeCraft sells and that's the certification at the end of the day. And so then we just started expanding um, you know, once we had that data model, we were happy with it. We then did turn it into production code with a pretty basic interface around it. But every two weeks, we release a brand new version of our software still today. And so we've constantly been adding things like new standards that want to happen. We added a tool to do um, to answer security questionnaires. So I'm sure, Ryan, like you've seen a ton of these security questionnaires come through in like the enterprise sales motion. And uh, we built a tool to ingest those security questionnaires and report back all the answers for folks. So, uh, you know, what we realize about this space is that there's just almost nonstop set of problems. But because we got the the data right, that kernel of information about the security practice, we're able to add on value. And that means that we can allow our customers in their journey to buy value from StrikeGraph over time. Gotcha. Okay. I love that. So basically what I hear, what I hear you saying is you set up, you said you like to set up data models. Um, so is it just like a simulation is what I hear you saying. So yeah, a potential customer could experience it like in the beta. Is that what you did? Yeah. Well, they could um, come in to the prototype and play with it. A lot of times we did stuff by hand for them because we were learning, you know, early on and, um, that, uh, data model had a lot to do with understanding how does someone decide what security they should operate? You know, what are, and we call those controls. What are the security habits that I need to operate? And then how do they validate that that security is operating? 
And that's the evidence, which we go out and collect um, automatically via integration from a number of cloud providers. And once you have that core data, you really can start to play with, and if I hand all this information over to an, uh, an assessor or someone that can certify uh, this organization, um, how quickly does it go? And what we saw right off the bat was that we shaved um, months off the process um, with even our prototype data model. Today, for example, we still do that. Like um, our audit took about six weeks for the auditor to complete, but the audits we perform for our own customers, uh, they only take about two, two and a half weeks max. Okay, so so let's walk through that. You mentioned, and you mentioned this in the intro, and when we talked before about basically shrinking the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the sales cycle time from 18 months to sometimes three to six months from that. So I assume that's kind of what you're talking about where it just happens so rapidly and so fast, but I would just love to hear like the tactical components on how you shrink a sales cycle from, you know, that 18 yeah. months to yeah. three to six month period just from security. Yeah. So what I saw happen, um, was that as a CTO watching my sales team go through it is that they would say, okay, um, we verbally want to do a deal with you. Like you've got a champion in the building. They are going to sponsor you. They want to buy. They've got budget to buy. So then you get handed off to procurement. And, and part of procurement is certainly like, what, what's the contract we're going to sign? So you're going to spend some time, you know, redlining the contract and talking about that. Um, but the bulk of the time we were finding was that, oh, and we also need to do data privacy security review before we share data. So today, many of our most, many of the businesses that are being built are built on the tacit understanding that you're going to share data with your customers, sensitive data. Um, everything, and we see this in everything from like law firms to high tech um, fintech applications. And what happened to me as a CTO was that I'd get a security questionnaire, you know, it'd be long and I'd go through and answer it. So that was time taken out. Then uh, they would say, oh, do you have a SOC 2 or ISO 27001? And maybe we didn't. And then all of a sudden they say, well, we have to come in and review your product almost by hand because you haven't accomplished an audit. So like Goldman Sachs, we had a contract uh, with Goldman Sachs in progress and it took their security team two years to finally get through a complete review of our product. And so that's how long it took to get to signature. Yeah. And, but when we started handing over like, oh, here, we've been independently certified by an organization like StrikeGraph, um, all of a sudden that security team on the other side says, okay, we don't have to review you because someone already has. So we can green light this to move on through to wrap up the contract negotiation. And so that's why it's really critical to have these in place early. And, you know, Ryan, when I think about the math, you know, of trying to grow a business, I would rather, you know, take the time to close down by a third and uh, then I would to like try and double my prices, right? Like much easier to grow a business knowing that you got a repeatable sales cycle um, than it is to try and go for closing the biggest dollar amount at the biggest company possible, but not having all the tools in place. 
Yeah, totally agree. I mean, speed is super critical, right? Speed is really critical. And it's it's funny because it's often overlooked is one of the most critical conversion metrics to look at in the in the sales process. Most people look at conversion rates, close percentage, number of leads. But the funny thing is that that number three variable is like literally if you cut your sales cycle in half, you double your revenue with the same That's resource, funny. the same staff, everything, right? So yeah. So I think we're, we're, we're preaching from the same hymn book there um, or hymnal or whatever you want to say uh, on that. So I think there's, there's a lot of um, validity to that. What do you say, uh, you know, just for context, obviously, since you're the expert and you have 150 plus customers, at what dollar value do you think the security assessment becomes really critical in the situation you're talking about in terms of like deal value, right? Is it, because I've seen a wide range, right? Um, mostly it's attached to enterprise deals in my experience, but what's your experience in terms of the dollar value where they really start, you know, it becomes a requirement and it's a factor. Yeah. Um, so five, six years ago, I would say that we'd only see it for enterprise deals. So large banks would be a requirement. Um, we'd see it from maybe like, um, we, I think we saw like LinkedIn making it a requirement. We were trying to do a deal with them in the past. Uh, but those organizations are big, you know, more than 5,000 employees. And their procurement teams were very worried about sharing data. And they had an active security practice going on that might be publicly traded. And so one of the things that have driven this is the Sarbanes-Oxley requirements have kind of driven some of these security audit requirements from publicly traded companies. However, now what we're seeing is that even medium-sized businesses working with other smaller, medium-sized businesses are asking for this to be accomplished earlier and earlier on in the life cycle. And a lot of it has to do with how sensitive a data you require to be successful. So we've seen AI companies that want very sensitive data to be able to utilize the product having to go through a full SOC 2 audit with just like five employees just for pilot adoptions. Um, Sometimes we'll see organizations that have been around a while that maybe is more like a services business, like a software development shop. Um, They might just be getting asked to do these types of things. Um, So they've kind of, they don't share a lot of data, so they've survived a little longer, but now they're starting to be asked as well. Okay. So, you know, one of the questions that I have for you is how do you get NRR at 115% plus being only 18 months into it? Like, what's your mental framework and your execution path for making that a reality? Yeah, I, I want to be honest that we were surprised at first. We were like, oh, wow, I didn't realize there was this kind of motion in the business. Um, but I think that... Uh, Critical to that was our experience in being operators in the business. So one of the things that I understood and a lot of our product team understood and our sales team understood is that when you first, this is a process in which you need to implement more value over time. You're not, you don't want to like start from zero and go to audit. It's super painful and it will kind of take you off initiatives that you already have going on. And so, therefore, we kind of designed our product to be flexible with that particular process because we understood it to be a core value prop to any customer that engaged with us. So, um, 
we allow a customer to come into the system before they ever even think about what type of audit they might want to get or what standard, they can simply use the solution to start a very basic security practice. So they're getting these habits in place of what security controls matter to us? What evidence do we want to collect? And then is there some automation that we can take advantage of? And that starts out, you know, at like a $3,500 a year price point. But then our customers, as they mature, they need to put in place that SOC 2 audit or that ISO 27001 certification. And there is things that we provide solutions for. Like we do penetration testing for our customers. We do internal audits for our customers for things like HIPAA. So the other thing that was important about getting that net revenue retention is we made ourselves a solution throughout the journey, even if it wasn't a pure SaaS play. We didn't care. Because we wanted, number one, to make sure our customers were successful in their outcomes. And so we've been rabid about, hey, you're going to get your audit and there's not going to be any deficiencies and you're going to feel a sense of success and and championship about yourself in this. And then number two, uh, by by focusing rapidly on that customer success, we realized that each customer was a little unique and we could put into place whatever they asked for. And so we played with that. You know, when, when someone first, when we first realized how many customers had to go get penetration tests, we were like, we should just do this. There's so much automation available for what is a traditional services industry that StrikeGraph can meet our gross margins, continue to make our investors really happy and make our customers super happy. And it's another trust asset. Now they have another thing to hand over to market themselves. And so we just were not afraid to be like, to be a solution for the variety of things that a customer needs to do to be successful. And therefore, when they call us up and they'd say, hey, we're making great progress on StrikeRef, it's really good, but we also need to do this thing. We were like, oh yeah, we do that as well. So it's just a small fee added onto the annual contract. So we built out our product to meet their needs. Yeah. It's funny. And there's been a trope in okay. the... In the um, in the venture capital space, it, like you as a founder need to learn what to say no to. And I, I don't know that we do that so well. <laughs> to, my, to my team's chagrin, I'm kind of like, can we say yes to that? I think we should say yes to that. How do we say yes to this? Yeah. Well, I think it's really, I mean, it's smart that you're doing that. I, I assume based on your experience, it's very systematic. Um, it, you don't seem like an all over the place type of guy <laughs> just from our time together. So, uh, so, so quick question, how did you roadmap that? How did you roadmap to build in continuous NRR into your solution? Did you sit down at the beginning and say, okay, step one, this is the bare minimum that you need. Step two, once you get past that, this is what happens. Step three, is that what the kind of trailing you did? And you, you mapped it not just in a short period of time, but a long period of time. Is that kind of how you handled it? That's my assumption. Yeah, and it's a living document. So we have a services map now. It's massive, but we kind of thought about a customer. And you can build it in a spreadsheet, um, which is essentially a column for each stage of a typical customer journey. And so we're like, oh, well, let's start off with they, they really need to figure out what security needs to be in place. And so we're like, okay, these start becoming features in our product, like a risk assessment is the most effective way for our customers to kind of automatically scope the right security practice before they ever even think about an audit. And that way they don't do more security work than is required. 
And so as we mapped out that journey, we started identifying what we solve for today, what we uh, don't solve for, and we could rank the customer pain point for that particular issue. And so then we could be like, oh, penetration test is a high customer pain point and a highly expensive, um, uh, you know, it's averaging like $15,000 for a penetration test. And it's, it's really was like over-engineered services line of business. And so because we don't care about that so much, we just care about our customer getting through the audit, we could start to shrink those things down to not, uh, you know, it's hard to say the minimum, but I like to tell teams, we're just trying to meet a bar here. Like we're trying to get through the auditor certification. We don't, we don't need to take on the over-engineering that a services business will typically do. Yeah. Love that. So basically, it's you do the initial mapping, and then it's an ongoing doc that feeds into product for both the services and the customer outcomes and yeah. the SaaS solution, right? Well, uh, so so let me ask you this, and, and oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say that's the really critical part of an integrated team, right, Ryan? Like our product team and our sales team and our customer success team are highly conjoined, and now we've that doc has turned into a communication pattern. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what's the rhythm you have for that then? Uh, all, well, we run a very quick agile methodology. So in a quarter, um, definitely we start to outline the major goals that we want. And then within that quarter, we break it down to two-week sprints. And so the product team will be working with the sales and customer success team to identify every two weeks what's going to change for the customer. And uh, that's how we have uh, really... Um, while we were a tiny bit late to the market um, compared to some of our competitors, our product has been so consistently enhanced that it's it's really powerful solution now. Yeah. So wait, you communicate to the customer. You, so you keep updating the sales team and they're constantly communicating um, the every two weeks, like kind of product enhancements and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Because we learn things That's awesome. all the time. Right. Yeah, I love that. How how big is your engineering team? Yeah, yeah, it's about a third of our total employees. Right now at our current stage, you could probably break a third down to sales and marketing, a third down to customer success and what we call assessments, which is like penetration testing and internal audit work. And then one third is engineers. Okay, gotcha. All right, so we're getting close up on time, but this, I mean, this has been great. Uh, um, so my question for you is like where you're at right now, I mean, what would you say is your single biggest challenge in terms of growing revenue? It sounds like you've nailed a lot of things, but I would just love to hear what's your single biggest challenge in growing revenue. Yeah, I think it's like, um, our single biggest challenge in growing revenue right now is new leads in the door in a really competitive marketing space. And so we are focusing a lot on our our go-to-market messaging, how to kind of cut through the chatter uh, in an effective way, um, how to generate knowledge that um, th- that are, you know, if you're considering going after your SOC 2 audit, you 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 deserve to actually look at the StrikeGraph solution. It's incredibly innovative and quite differentiated. Um, some of the reason that uh, we probably, like that's our biggest challenge is that you know, we, um, we don't drive at the highest valuation possible in our fundraising strategy. Our fundraising strategies have been a little more middle of the road by design. We kind of like to 
fundraise to set a valuation that we can live up to, that we have clear line of sight on. And whereas uh, there are other um, organizations that are much more like growth at all costs, you know, pay to get logos in the house, but don't really worry about retention. Um, and that's just not our methodology. Uh, although I think now that we feel we have super powerful um, product market fit and really great repeatable sales motion, that now we feel more confident, especially in talking with our investors and, and our investment team to say like, yeah, we should really kind of go head to head on the marketing space. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you on, Justin, and I really appreciate your insight and, and your approach to, to nailing you know, that, that product market fit and your NRR growth at such an early stage. So where can people find you? Where can they find out more about StrikeGraph? And then we'll wrap things up, man. Yeah, so myself, LinkedIn is really the best way. It's the only social network to have an account on. Um, and then uh, strikegraph.com has a ton of resources. There's a chat window right in the um, address that we staff with real people. And uh, they'd be happy to answer any questions uh, folks would have about our solution um, or set up a really easy demo. It, it's a 30-minute meeting, and I think you get a real gist of how powerful StrikeGraph can be. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. It was really great having you walk through, through this. I think it will be massive value to my audience. So thank you for doing this and uh, look forward to seeing you all in the next episode. My pleasure, Ryan. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. 